you had an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> Welcome to Stratford Heights today. We're so glad that you're here. We've come from early service at 8.30 and then our Sunday school hour at 9.30 and here for the mid-morning service. And you made it and we want to thank you for being here and hope that you enjoy our service today. You got a new bulletin with all the information about our holiday season that's coming and uh, you can take that home, keep it in your kitchen area or someplace where you need to know what's going on and you can look in there and find it. 
And everything has been good so far this morning, and we're looking for, for the presence of the Lord to move in our midst. And we want to welcome all of you that are new or visiting with us today and uh, tell you that we're glad that you've, you've come. And immediately following our service today in the choir room, which is around to this side, is um, where we're going to have a meet and greet. And we would love to meet you and your family if you're new or visiting. Staff will be back there and pastor too. Say hello and get acquainted because sometimes we just rush in and out and we don't get to shake hands with you. So we want to say hello to you in a special way after the following uh, the morning service. There's also a bake sale outside. Their kids are getting ready to go on mission trips and they're going to be having bake sales all from now on. So wait and buy all your sweets and your cakes and cookies and all that outside every Sunday from the kids that are going on this trip to Alaska. They'll be a blessing. Thank you for coming today. Now let's get out in the aisles and shake hands and greet one another and wish somebody a God bless you and let's continue to enjoy the service.
Now, good morning. There we are. God bless you. Turn to someone and tell them, you're looking better than you've ever looked. Now, don't lie to them, but... Now, turn to somebody else and say, you're looking about as good as you've looked all day. God bless you. You may be seated. This morning, one of our greatest privileges as a church family is to dedicate little children to the Lord. Today we don't take that lightly and we understand the, the importance of it. So we commit ourselves. The baby dedication is not only for the children, but it's for the parents as well and the family members. And can I say this? It's also for the church. How many of you know and realize that it's our responsibility as a congregation to uh, help nurture and raise up our children. It's one of the responsibilities the Lord has given to us. So we see in Scripture in Mark chapter 10 an instance where Jesus blessed the little children. And they brought 
young children to him that he should touch them. And as I'm reading, if your child is being dedicated today, this is your opportunity, if you would, to come, bring your children and all family and friends who you've invited to be a part of this ceremony today. Uh, you're welcome to come with them as well. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of, of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And then verse 16 says, And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Today what we do is we dedicate, we bless these children. We pray a prayer to dedicate them to God charging the parents. Parents, I would ask you, to, in being a part of this amazing day for your son or your daughter, don't ever forget the importance of what you do today. You're saying, not only to that child, but you're saying to God, I'm going to spend my days making sure that you are raised up in the faith, that you're dedicated and committed to the cause of Christ, and that I'm going to ask the Lord to give wisdom and grace all the days of my life as I help you get there. So I charge you, raise them up in grace and strength. Raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and that means in awe and reverence. And when you do, the Bible says, you've been given a promise. Raise them up, train them up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from that. They may take the road, the journeys of life, but I have beautiful testimonies of young people who, because of the faith and because of the way they were raised, when they got older in their lives, even those young people found their way home. We pray today for each one of these children and all of these parents, and as a church, we're thankful for them. Hey, Matthew. Hi. I'm going to let you stay right there. All right. And then we have Michael. Michael. Okay. Michael and Matthew Ryan. You want to hang on to these? Or? Let's, look, let's pray for Michael. Would you pray with me right now, please? Thank you. Father, we pray this morning over Michael. Matthew. We ask you to touch him and minister to his life, God. We believe and know that you've given him your presence. and your, Lord, you have blessed his life. I pray that you will touch him. And Lord, keep your hand upon him all the days that he lives. I pray he'll have a, a clear understanding of your faith and the gospel message. I pray that he'll come to know you as a young man. That, Lord, you will protect him and keep him from all harm. I pray for the destiny over his life. That you'll touch him, order his steps every day. We commit him, dedicate him and these parents, Lord, to his charge 
as we lift up your name and honor you and thank you. And Lord, we also pray for little Michael. <laughs> you got a smile. Can I hold him? If they'll go for it, I'll hold them. Look at this guy. You can say awe now. <laughs> Let's pray for Michael. Father, as we pray over little Michael, we lift him up to you too. Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus as he is committed and dedicated in this altar before you that you'll keep your hand upon him all the days of his life. I pray, God, that he'll, again, know you and have faith instilled in him from a young man. I pray he'll grow to fall madly in love with the relationship we've all been given through Christ with you. I pray that you will keep him from all harm, protect him in his life, order his steps, and Lord, we commit and dedicate him as I give him back to his parents. I thank you, Lord, for their love for you. I ask you to anoint and keep your hand upon them, Lord, all these family members and friends. I pray over them that, God, you will anoint them as they have influence and impact on both of these gentlemen's lives. We thank you for today as we commit and dedicate them to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you. Sarah Brunson. Sarah. Oh, okay, here she is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look how cute. She's got her bling on today. She's got some bling. Let's pray. Father, we pray over little Sarah. We lift her up to you today, and I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will bless her life. We pray for the richness of God's love and your presence to always guide and direct her steps. I pray for the destiny that comes through Christ. I pray that you will bless her and keep your hand upon her, protect her from all harm, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. She'll come to know you at a very young age. Lord, she will have the faith and the love of Christ in her. I pray as I give her back to her mother and her grandmother, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would keep them, protect them, give them the wisdom that comes from your word in helping this young lady to see truth in her life and to know you. I thank you for their commitment and dedication today as we dedicate little Sarah in Christ's name. Amen. Is it? Oh, no, this is wrong. Graham. I knew he wasn't Isabella. <laughs> there we go. This is Graham. All right. How about this, huh? You know, your great-grandfather used to be pastor of this church. So I'm feeling a little pressure on you. <laughs> I'm going to pray over him. Father, as we pray over little Graham today, we thank you for the rich heritage of this family. Pray that you will touch and minister to him, that you will lay your hand upon him and bless him. I pray for his steps to be ordered. Lord, for your work to be done and accomplished in his life. From a young age, may he know the faith that his family has preached for years. I pray over him an anointing, and I pray your touch, guide and direct his life. And as I give him back to his family, I pray in the name of Jesus for them. I lift them up and ask God your charge to rest upon their lives. Lead them and guide them in the truth and wisdom of Christ that will help them to understand and know what it is, a privilege to raise up this godly young man. I pray over his life, keep him from all harm. Let him sense and know you, and Lord, his, your presence to guide him every day of his life. 
And I thank you for him as we dedicate him to you in this altar today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is Isabella. I know her. Here we go. Elizabeth, Isabella Kate Tudor. Oh, look at that face. Go ahead and be jealous. them eyes so you can steal your heart let's pray father we pray over little Isabella today we thank you for the miracle that she is and we pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch her may the sweetness Lord I see as I look in her face guide her all of her life and I pray for the presence of the Lord to keep her pray that she will know you at a very young age and Lord having been instilled with the faith and the heritage of this family I pray in the name of Jesus, you protect her from all harm. As we commit and dedicate her today, I thank you for the charge that comes to this family. They love you. And God, as I give, them back to, give her back to her family, I ask you to bless and touch them. Let them sense and feel the presence of God, wisdom of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit as they lead and guide their whole family into the truth and the heritage, Lord of faith. I pray over them now and all of these who are anointed to have influence, Lord, I pray for the family. I lift all of them up to you as we are joyfully here today at your altar to dedicate this beautiful little girl to you. We do it now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. She's adorable. Good to see you all. Thank you, families. It's good to see you, too. You, you can be dismissed back to your seats. I want to hug you. Get over here. Good to see you guys. take a moment now in service to pray for Israel as we've done for a while and I don't know about in your personal lives but since we've started praying for Israel it's been a blessing to me and it's helped me to be able to deal with the difficult times that comes to every one of us as Christians because what happens with Israel I mean everybody knows that they're a nation that's surrounded by people that hate them that like to see nothing more than every one of them wiped off of this planet. And every day they have to deal with that pressure of being hated just because they have faith in the one true God. And in our individual lives, we at times feel like we're dealing with pressures every day all around us. Sometimes we're surrounded by things and we don't know how to get out. We don't know what to do. But just as God's been faithful for Israel, generation over generation he has always been there for them and it's encouraging for me to know that he's going to be there for me no matter what's going on in our lives no matter what we're facing no matter what's in front of us no matter what pressures we have he will always be there for us Amen. let's join together in prayer this morning lord we're here this morning because we love you Lord, we desire nothing more than to live lives that honor you Lord, and we know 
the best way that we can honor you is live a life of obedience. And so in accordance to your word this morning, we join together as one, in one mind, one accord, as we lift up the state of Israel. Lord, we ask that you would prosper them, that you would protect them, that you would be with them, Lord. And just as you've always done, that you would continue to deliver them, Lord, from their enemies. Lord, we lift up this church today, Lord, just as you've always been there for Israel. We ask that you would continue to be there for your church here in Middletown. Lord, that you would give them victory after victory as our faith is increased, as we see you move in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this morning. Amen. A couple of announcements I'd like to make as we're in service today. One is uh, to kind of let you know, um, informationally, keep your eyes and ears open as you're coming in and out of the parking lot. Uh, yesterday, we uh, had our construction trailer over here vandalized. And uh, thousands of dollars worth of tools were taken. Um, yeah, as you know, uh, Raycon and uh, Tricon builders are the folks that are working with us. If you're familiar with Church of God history, Charles W. Kahn was one of the founding fathers of our, of our denomination. And uh, Paul Kahn is president of Lee University, and Ray is his brother. And he has a Holy Ghost-dedicated construction company that, is, that has suffered some loss. So I, I want you to keep them in your prayers and as well, keep your eyes open. If you see somebody messing over there, you know, uh, let them know uh, we're on it. Also, I uh, want to make an announcement about a conference happening next weekend, a ladies' conference. If you remember from Mother's Day this last year, Teresa Norman was with us from Cleveland, Tennessee. She was a riot. She was wonderful. Had, she had us laughing, and then she had us crying. She is going to be here this next weekend. And she'll be speaking at the ladies' conference. There's information on posters out in the lobby and at the desk. So go by there, ladies. I invite all of you to be a part of the, the conference. She is absolutely dynamic. Stan Holder, her brother, uh, is bishop over Alaska and was our former youth pastor years ago. And uh, he was telling me, man, she's literally going all over the United States with this conference. And she just feels the Lord has really blessed her to have a word for the church and for ladies in particular. So I appreciate all you ladies checking it out and signing up to be with them. She's also going to be with us next Sunday morning. I've asked her to stay over from the conference and speak for us again. Uh, we enjoyed her so much when she was here at Mother's Day. Um, Thanksgiving. Instead of doing the uh, traditional kind of midweek Tuesday night youth uh, Thanksgiving service um, that we have done for like a long time, um, which about 50 of you come to... <laughs> Um, we've decided to do something a little different this year. On the 22nd, on that Sunday night, uh, the Sunday night prior to Thanksgiving, we're going to have a big Thanksgiving service that Sunday evening. We're going to have some blow-up games in the, in the gym for kids, and we're going to have the cider and donuts. Uh, everyone loves that. Um, and then we're going to have a service in the sanctuary um, that will center around some testimonials and some Thanksgiving. It'll be a Thanksgiving theme, and... We've got some, some special guests who's going to be here, which I won't tell you about. you have to come see. And uh, we're excited about, about planning this service. So it's going to be great. Uh, we'll be in service for a little while, and then we'll go back and have fellowship and have cider and donuts and, and, uh, and some games for the children. So plan on being here on that day. As Liz mentioned, the meet and greet is right after service today. 
we'll slip out immediately and some of the staff and pastors will meet you there. If you've been coming to the church the last maybe three months, six months or so, uh, and you'd like a few moments to just allow us to meet you uh, and get to talk to you, we would love for you to stop by. So come on uh, by there after church and, and let, us, uh, let us greet you and, and meet with you for a little bit. Also, big surprise. If you looked over, right about over here, you see that Orville and Linda Robinson are not in service today. Now, in all my years of ministry, we have never, ever coordinated to keep people out of church until now. Michael Robinson, uh, their son, has been working uh, behind the scenes to, he, he's speaking at a service this morning, and so he invited them, we all were in cahoots together, to get them out of the service so that they could go and be there and we could make an announcement here. So their son knows that I'm doing this and we have orchestrated Orville and Linda. God love Orville. He sent me a text yesterday. And now, Pastor, we love you. Now, we would normally be there, but our son is just determined that we're going to be with him this morning. And I said, well, Brother Orville, that's all right. We'll miss you. You, you go and support your family. And he had no idea I knew all about it. Sunday night week, the next Sunday night. Linda and Orville Robinson have been part of our congregation now for years since he retired from pastoring at Cornerstone Church. He had been at the Cornerstone Orgonia Church for 35 years. He was a long-term pastor, uh, had gone through many, many years, and, and wonderful, wonderful ministry. And when they retired, they said they wanted to come here. And I'm going to tell you, they make, former pastors like them make great members. They are wonderful to me, to our staff, and I just love them so much. Have the highest respect. He and I meet once a month at Cracker Barrel and just have breakfast together, and he just pours into me, gives me advice, and talks to me about pastoring and lets me share with them. But these are just great people. They've been working with us on Wednesday evenings. Um, he is actually, as of last week, will be taking a, a break from the Wednesday nights, and I'm actually going to be coming into the sanctuary and we're going to be coming together on Wednesday nights uh, starting this Wednesday. So I'd encourage you to come out and be with us as we look into a new series we're going to do on Wednesday night right here in the sanctuary. And they'll be here, but they're going to be here next Sunday night. And they don't know that their son and some of their family members are going to throw a big 50th wedding anniversary party for them after service. So it, the gym is going to be all set up. They're not allowed to go anywhere near that door. And uh, it's going to be a surprise. A lot of their family and friends are going to be there in the gym waiting. And then all of you, of course, are going to be invited to go back there and be with them. Um, if you can't be here next Sunday night, which I hope you can, uh, please uh, take the time to write out a note or a card and, and drop it by the office so that we can just, I want to fill up a basket. I want them to know, you know, I'm just going to be transparent for a moment. I can only imagine, and especially in a conversation I had with Pastor Watkins, when you retire, when you step away from ministry, here you are in the middle of full-time ministry, your hospitals, your counseling, your preaching several times a week, you're constantly going, and then when you step away from that, and you really just, you just get lost. And um, Brother Watkins told me, he said, retiring from pastoring is one of the loneliest things that's ever happened to me. And I can imagine what that might feel like, and I will, pretty soon. I'm not old enough yet, but um, I could imagine what that would be like. And I know in several conversations with Brother Robinson, I know they miss the ministry that they were in for so long. I imagine they feel a little lonesome sometimes. So I'm encouraging you to help me. I want to just blow it out for them. 
I would love for them to just be, it isn't about the gifts or things like that as much as what I want is people lined up to hug them and let them know we love you and we appreciate you and we thank you for years of, of dedicated ministry. Could we do that? All in favor say aye. If you could be here Sunday night, uh, right after service, we're going to go back there and surprise them. They have no idea. So don't tell them. Whatever you, that's why they're not here today, because we don't want nobody to tell them. Amen. All right. With that said, our ushers are coming to serve you. I want to thank you for your, your tithe and your offering today. You know, when the Lord gave us in, in Scripture uh, the test of faith, to step out, especially in our finances. I know that through the years, that's a struggle. I've met with families who have shared with me what a struggle that is. Now, I've always encouraged them, and I would encourage you today, start where you are. Start with what you can do. And watch how God begins to bless what you offer and turns it around for your good. I have seen him do amazing things when people just step out in faith and trust him. Offering is not for the church. The offerings, the tithe, it's for you. It's for me. We do that. And as we do that, we are then. We are literally engrafted into the economy of God's kingdom and how he works. So I encourage you to be a part. I encourage you to be blessed. And I encourage you today to give. God has got blessings waiting. Father, as we come before you, we thank you. And Lord, we practice as a church what we teach. We'll be giving all of the loose offering today to our missionaries around the world. And I pray, God, that you will bless them, that you'll touch their lives, meet the needs that they carry and they have in their heart. I pray over them in the name of Jesus, asking your blessings on our missionaries. And, Lord, for those who have come and they're prepared and ready to pay their tithe, I thank you, Lord, for that dedication, that commitment, and for the Spirit of God in them that causes them to be much like you, givers. Bless them abundantly. Touch their hearts and lives as we all give today in honor of your gift to us. In Christ's name, amen. Come to me. 
into the darkest places. God's love sets you free. 
It was amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, with your majesty, I fall to my knees. I love you endlessly. With the beauty of your son, I find myself undone. Lord, I love you endlessly. I love you, Lord. <laughs> Listen to what this says. Savior of my soul, lover of my life, I love you endlessly. Passion of my heart, everything you are, I love you endlessly. You love me before I know. <laughs> you love me, you love me. Now I give it back to you. You love me, you love me before I I stand everything I am I love you endlessly I love you Lord you love me before I love you you love me you love me now I give it back to Done. 
Why don't you praise him again? Why don't you just lift up his name? Stand with me this morning. Let's give the Lord praise, unbridled praise. Hallelujah. He alone is worthy to receive our praise. John the Revelator said that he saw in the vision there, he said there was no one who was worthy to open up the book. No one who could open up the book of life for us, the book that would give the redemption for mankind. And John in his dream turned around and said there in the midst of the throne was a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. He alone is worthy. There is no other God. There is no competitor. He is the one and only omnipotent God, and He deserves our worship. Amen. He deserves our praise. Wow. Why don't you just lift your hands and give Him praise? Why don't you honor Him with your voice this morning? Shout unto the Lord. Hallelujah. There's deliverance in your praise. There's healing in your praise. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is here. Oh! Hallelujah. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is here today. Right now, if you needed anything, I'd be calling out to Him. I'd be calling out to the Lord. He's worthy, man. He's worthy. We don't serve a dead God or a statue somewhere in some temple. We serve a risen Savior who is Jesus Christ. And He's alive this morning. Hallelujah. You know, in the world, in the world, they'd call that an encore. They'd call that an encore. One more time, why don't you give the Lord the praise He's worthy of. One more time. The world ain't going to outdo us, not when it comes to our worship, not when it comes to our praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, choir. You have surely taken us into the presence of God this morning. Thank you. You know, you don't take that for granted, do you? Don't you appreciate this band and orchestra and this choir, our minister of music? We don't need to take them for granted. 
It, man, I was sitting here listening to that orchestra. Thank you. You guys sound fantastic. Man. Good to see Ashley. So proud of you. So proud. I couldn't have been more proud. Last Sunday night, they sang at the camp meeting, and I couldn't get out of the building with all the people that were shaking my hand, congratulating me for having them. <laughs> They were so excited about the music presentation at Camp Meeting. They did a wonderful job. Gary and I were able to go, and, and I just want to say, I don't say this often. You know, he's so confident that you don't, you don't worry about him. You think he's all right, but Friday, he and I went, and we were privileged, given the opportunity to minister. I, I was able to speak, and Gary led worship for the pastors of the Church of God in Indiana. And it was a wonderful opportunity for us, but I sat back at the, in, in the back of the room and I was watching this worship pastor. And tears filled my eyes as I watched him leading these pastors who were weary and tired and had come for refreshment. And he was leading them into the presence of God and I said, Lord, I'm so thankful for Gary Turner. I love you. I love you, man. I love you a lot. I was so proud of him. He did a wonderful job, and the Lord used him mightily. I watched as some of those pastors came in, and by the time that worship had come full circle, they were weeping, and they were just broken under the presence of God, and I thought that's exactly what they needed. As you're standing, I want you to turn with me to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. And I pulled my phone out earlier because I wanted to show you something. And I kept looking for it, and I finally found it. I looked over at Richard, and I said, you know, I just made that secret announcement about the Robinsons for next Sunday night, and I just announced it to the entire world. <laughs> I don't know if you were privileged. A picture was sent to me this last week. I put it on Facebook. Um, Jacqueline Kessner who was watching live from Australia this morning. Uh, her and her family, uh, Frederick and then little Kayla, who is my goddaughter, um, they, uh, they live down in, not too far from Brisbane, Australia. And they watch us now every Sunday and they set their little alarm and they, because you know, they're ahead of us by 11 hours or something like that. So they're already going to work on Monday, but they, uh, they take time to, uh, to listen to our broadcast. And I was thinking, I just told that secret to the whole world. And Jim told me, you know, a couple weeks ago, he said, do you realize how many people are watching from around the world? I had to find this for you. We, we have people watching probably 100, 200 strong in, in the United States. Then you've got a whole bunch that there is no, there's no way to tell where they're from. And then you have people watching in Australia. G'day, mates. You got... China are watching us, Germany is watching us, South Korea, Taiwan, Brazil, Finland, and the United Kingdom. God save the Queen. <laughs> so I want to take just a moment, if that'd be all right. I want to look right back there and I want to say welcome. Welcome from all around the whole world. You know, this is a new form of media ministry that, that we want to really embrace. 
we want to understand on any given service, there are anywhere from 100 to 200 to 300 people who are watching um, from the Internet. In some places, that's an entire congregation. That's an entire church full of people. So we love you. We're praying for you. And we're thankful that you're watching us today. The picture that Jacqueline sent me from Australia, she had her phone in the dash of her car. And she says she was watching last Sunday morning's service. And she was watching. And there I am on the dash of her car in this little phone. And it's got me going, you know. And she's like, watching Stratford Heights Church of God Ray Phillips speaking on the love of God while I'm waiting for Kayla to get out of school here in Australia. And I'm just like, that is so cool. I mean, come on, that's cool, right? Is that cool? Very cool. I love that. So I, I made sure to collect that picture. I, I love the idea of preaching in Australia. So we're doing that now, and we welcome you today. Can the church say amen? Amen. amen. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Beginning a new series today. Calling it really simply the Jonah series. Real creative. <laughs> but I want to talk today about the subject relentless, extreme grace. Relentless, extreme grace. And surprisingly enough, I believe that's what, what we first learned and what we see overall when we look at the book of Jonah. Listen to the scripture. Think of it like a movie while we're reading. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah. You know, I did a message not too long ago, a couple years ago on, but God. Gage, you were like the center point of my message that day. You were a miracle. And we preached about but God. When circumstances go wrong or when the world hands you trials and suffering, but God. God comes along and changes everything on a dime. But God can interfere in any of our trials and they can be turned to victory in a moment. But there's got to be a problem when you're reading the scripture and God says, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And the very next verse says, verse says but Jonah. You already know something ain't going right. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, from, away from, the presence of the Lord. He went down, would you say the word down? To Joppa. And found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down. Say it again. Into it. To go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his God. And threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. To lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Boy, that's a lot of downers, isn't it? That's a ton of downers. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, 
Call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land. They had a heart to try to save him. But they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done it as it pleased you. In other words, you obviously pronounced judgment on this guy. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Interesting how one man's disobedience brought others to Christ, to God. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish are you serious? To swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. I think that's another downer. Three days and three nights. Father, we ask your blessings on your word. Speak to us this morning in the name of Jesus. With that anointing that makes preaching easy. Pray you'd speak to us and move us into a deeper place with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me see I've been looking forward to this series for a couple of weeks. I mean, what story is better in the Bible than Jonah? Jonah and the whale or the big fish. You know, I realize it's theologians came along years later and told us that it really isn't a whale. It was a a big fish. So I tipped, uh, termed this morning in the 830 service, it was a whale of a fish. Thank you. I mean, this huge, big fish catches a man, swallows him whole, and spits him back out. I mean, that's got to be the story of all stories. It's got to be one of the most famous stories in the Word of God. I remember in Sunday school, that was one of the very first stories I ever heard was Jonah and the whale. And I remember the little felt board with the little stickers, and they were, the whale was big, and then Jonah was this little dude, and he's like being eat up, and we would take it and move it. It's awesome. There are certain stories in the Bible that if you intend to church as a kid, you tend to grow up with. There was David and Goliath, Samson, there was Noah and the ark, the three Hebrew children, Daniel in the lion's den, and Moses and the Ten Commandments. But one of the very most famous was Jonah and the big fish. But you know, as I've gotten older, I can tell you they're not just stories for children. These are stories of 
insurmountable trial and trouble, and yet God comes through to show something amazing, extreme, intense, something unfathomable to the human mind about God. For all the things and all the reasons that we've ever listened to the stories, the one of Jonah, we, we kind of tended to put it in respect to uh, Jonah, who was disobedient to God, who got on the ship and went away from the Lord, but in his rebellion, God sent you know, a storm. He was then thrown into the sea, into the belly, and in there in the belly, he repented. He came forward. He was spit out by the whale, by the big fish, and he ended up preaching the greatest revival that ever hit Nineveh in all of its days, and Jonah was the hero. That's what we've always kind of thought, but really, if you think about it, Jonah was no hero. He was actually a scoundrel. He actually was probably the worst evangelist in the Bible. Maybe the worst missionary ever written about. I mean, think about it. In the beginning, he says no to God and runs away from God. And in the end of the big Jonah four chapters, he's actually arguing with God about what God did in Nineveh. It was the in-between where he did things he didn't even really want to do. So Jonah, no, is not the hero of the story. You know who the hero is? God. God is the hero. Because God shows us something I want you and I to see today, and that's simply this. God shows us extreme, relentless, intense grace. Grace. If you ever want to know what a picture of grace looks like, go to the book of Jonah. Begin to read a story about the way that God loved him, loved him into the fish, loved him into the storm, and loved him so much so that he rescued him. These aren't just kids' stories. Years ago, I did a series, a prison series, where I included the book of Jonah and the story of Jonah in the prison experience. I saw the belly of that whale as, as a prison cell for Jonah, who had found his way there because of his rebellion. Jonah's a man that's running from God, running from the will of God. And before you get too hard on him, before you say too much about him, I really honestly am going to blow your mind with one more statement. I think we are a lot like Jonah. I think we can compare and parallel to his story a lot in our own lives. We are like Jonah in how we so much more often run from God rather than to God. I've seen it. The struggle, the fight, the uncomfortableness. And I've seen where people have ran. But over and over again, all throughout the Word of God, we see something consistent about the Lord. Something that, you know, in this day and time, there's, there's struggles, even in the faith world. There's church, church issues and church concerns, and some are concerned that, that grace is almost like a license to go do whatever you want, or some others you know, tend to take it and, and just make it into something else. But I'm here, no matter what people do to abuse the beautiful principle, I want us to understand something. You and I are saved because God is a God of grace. If it were not for grace, you and I would have no leg to stand on, no salvation experience. There would be nothing in our lives that would ever account or amount to anything. A statement one gentleman made 
was Pascal, he was a French philosopher. He wrote this and he said, to make a man a saint, grace is absolutely necessary. And he said, and whoever doubts it does not know what a saint is. And he doesn't know what a man is either. One man said this, it was G.W. Knight. He said, when a person works an eight-hour day and receives a fair day's pay for his time, we call that a wage. And he deserves it. When a, com when a person competes with an opponent and receives a trophy for his performance, that we call a prize. He deserves it. When a person receives appropriate recognition for his long service or his high achievements, we call that an award. They deserve it. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, cannot win a prize, deserves no award, yet receives such a gift anyway, that is a good picture of God's unmerited favor. This is what a picture of grace looks like. Grace is one of the very best and so often misunderstood words in Christianity. We say grace over our meal. We tend to leave gratuitous tips and uh, thank yous to people. We use grace that way. An overdue book from the library will often include what we know as a grace period, no late fee. We use the word in many different ways, but it basically comes down to it's getting something for nothing. It's getting something for nothing. But the term most used in theology is it's unmerited, undeserved favor. Free and unearned bounty. Christianity is largely a religion of grace. It's all about grace. Grace, receiving what we did not earn, do not deserve Grace, our salvation. We sing about grace. We write poems about it. We name our churches Grace Church. We even name our children Grace. But outside of many worship services, I'm afraid this world doesn't know a whole lot about what grace actually means, what it represents. Grace is hard to accept. It's hard to believe. It's certainly hard to receive. Harder sometimes to receive. We feel like we've, we've got to do something. I mean, we're taught from little children up that you don't get nothing free. There is no free lunch. You got to work for what you get. And we're so ingrained with this kind of teaching all of our lives that when it comes to God's unmerited favor and love, we find it very difficult to understand. We, we have to connect our works to it somehow. The largest struggle in church is where we feel like we have to deserve it. And one of the biggest problems you find in church is people who feel they have achieved that. I'll tell you something this morning. You don't deserve to sit on the pew. We, don't, we do not deserve to have eternal life. We do not deserve the salvation that we've experienced. Not one of us. Brian, I called you out in 830. I'll call you out again. Here it is this morning. You're a minister of the gospel. You are not deserving 
of the salvation experience that you have this morning. It's by grace. It's by grace. It's by the love that the Lord has given to us free and clear. No strings attached. It's relentless. It's unmerited favor. It's intense. It's extreme to consider that God goes to the lengths that He goes to. It is extreme to consider the, the grace that covers our lives and our hearts and keeps us all along this journey. Grace is actually pretty shocking. It's not natural. I was so touched in the early service. I preached this message and I got to the end and you'll hear a little bit more about, about this later on. But when I had gotten to the very end of it, I had a lady after service who who grabbed me and she was crying and she said, thank you. She goes, you have set me free this morning. It touched my life so much to hear her words as she began to tell me that her mother had been murdered 25 years ago. And she said her killer is on death, was, was in prison all these years and he's come up for probation. And she said, Pastor, I did what I felt I should do and I said... Thing I should say as a Christian but it wasn't in here she goes I said the right things but I didn't feel it with tears in her eyes she said until this morning she said God's unmerited extreme relentless grace she goes I have forgiven it touched my heart, and it touches the heart of God. You see, we can't forgive like that until we have had the encounter and we see grace for what it really is. The grace in our lives is what helps us to be forgiving of others. Grace blows our mind. It does. It's God doing for others what we would not do for them. We'd save the not so bad. We'd save the not so bad. We would pick, you know, a nice little crew of people that we think are deserving, that, that would be good Christians. We'd save them. But God doesn't look for the ones who we think would be the most valuable to the theology of Christianity or who would make the best he doesn't look for those people, whereas we look for the better in people, and we look for the ones who would stand out, and we would save the not-so-bad. God looks for the very ones who are the worst. He starts at the bottom. He looks for the murderers. He looks for the terrorists. God looks for the prostitutes, the thieves. He starts there. Then he works his way up. Grace is a gift that costs everything to the giver, but nothing to the receiver. To understand the beauty of grace and the power of grace in our lives, we have to seek God and understand that it starts with us. The application of grace in our own lives. No wonder John Newton, when he was writing and he was coming in the bottom of that ship and he was writing out the words, when he was Grace, grace. He looked up and he said, 
how can I describe this grace? He said, I know. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once, I was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing. Amazing was the word he came up with. And amazing is the word I want you to understand this morning. No, Jonah was not the hero. Jonah looked at God's command. God looked upon the Assyrians. Now the Assyrians were not the most likely. They were the worst. They were at the bottom. They were cruel and mean. If you study history, you know they said unthinkable things. Some of the things that I read that the Assyrians did out of Nineveh, Nineveh, the capital city, it was a rich city. It was a powerful city. One of the most powerful during those times. The Assyrians were the leaders and they literally were the most wicked most evil people on earth. Entire villages, when they would hear that the Assyrians were coming to ravage their town or their village, they literally would in mass commit suicide. And the record books would say that rather than face the cruelty, the debauchery of the Assyrians' attack, they would rather die at their own hand. They would cut heads off and stack up the skulls. They would bury people from their head up in the desert and watch them as the sun would dehydrate them and kill them. They would kill children. They would rape children and wives. They, they were wicked and evil in every way you can imagine. They hated the Jews most of all. Hated them. And so you can imagine as... Jonah gets up that morning, he takes his walk out by the garden and he sits by his breakfast table. He's got a, a Thomas English muffin and he's sitting there with his Bible and he opens it up and he's beginning to read his devotion and he starts to have a prayer and he looks up and says, Lord, I come to you today. And God says, Jonah, get up. Go to Nineveh. Go where? Go to Nineveh. Oh, you surely want me to take Joel Olstein's new book, that Your Best Life Now. You want me to take that new video series on love, you know, covers all sin. You want me to go preach about living the, the victorious, overcoming life, right? No, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, for the wickedness of this city has come up before me. I want you to go and preach against it. No wonder he said, no. At first, I mean, think about it. That's like asking a Jew to go to Germany in 1942 and preach to Hitler. God was asking him to do something that he was like, you've got the wrong guy. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to go there. Those people, Lord, they're terrorists. They cut people's heads off. 
they will kill me the moment I walk through the gate. God, I'm not going to Nineveh. No. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Preach against them. For judgment has come to them. Their wickedness is ever before me. You've got the wrong guy. So he gets up. And you would imagine, after a little bit of a struggle, that Jonah would say, after it says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah, he said, go to Nineveh, preach against this people. You would think that the next verse, verse 3, would say, and Jonah stood up packed his bag, and went to Nineveh and obeyed the Lord as was his command. But, no. It says, but Jonah, who was called to go east 500 miles, a little past Baghdad to where we would say traditionally now is Mosul in, in Iraq. That's where this was. He was called to go there to Nineveh, about 500 miles, and he turns around, goes down to the shipyard, just happens to be right there, and he looks at the roster of where the ships were going, and he picks the one that's going the farthest away. Instead of going east, he's going west to Spain, and he ends up in Tarshish, which is 2,000 miles away. The dude was running from God. He was running. So with a 2,500 gap between God's obedience and his rebellion, he finds himself in the bottom of the boat. He finds himself in trouble, and I'll save that story for next week. But what I want you to see, and what I want us to understand is, God was looking down on the situation. He didn't write him off, didn't give up on him. He didn't, it wasn't about to let him go. God used every means possible to get his attention, to love him with an extreme and intense grace. I don't know how far you've gone. I don't know how fast you've run. I don't know how many miles away you have gotten from God and His call on your life. But understand this. God's not mad at you. God is just pursuing you. And He won't stop until you end up in the lowest place you can think of. You may be at death's door. You may be sitting in the bottom of a belly of a big fish. But you will find that even there, Psalm 139 is true. Whether shall I go from your presence... If I ascend to the highest heaven, you are there. If I end up in the lowest hell, behold, you are there. God will always show up. He always upholds His end of the bargain. We can run, we can hide, but we cannot get away from His hand. There, in the palm of His hand, in the bottom of that ocean, was the grace, the intense, extreme grace of God. God is the hero here. God's the hero. Extreme, relentless grace. Jonah was the man God chose. God knew what he was doing when he chose Jonah. Jonah had some major problems. We'll talk about that later. But understand, even when he went to preach, can you see him walking around Nineveh? He's walking around Nineveh and he's preaching after he finally obeys. 
and he's there in the city. Repent, for judgment's coming on y'all. Lord's going to kill y'all. And they're like, we repent. We don't want the judgment of God. We want the power of God. And they just, biggest revival Nineveh's ever had. People getting saved left and right. Unbelievable. And he actually gets mad. He gets mad. See, Jonah had some issues. But God knew in order to get the best out of Jonah, he had to use extreme grace. But aren't you glad this morning that God used his extreme grace? I don't know how far you had to go. I know how far he had to reach down for me. I know in my life he had to get a hold of me and he had to change my mind. He had to work in me. He had to help me to see and understand the need that I had. Jonah had to go through a lot more. Thankfully, I hope I'm the kind of person who don't need the belly of a whale. But I will tell you this, I'm so thankful that he's willing to go as far as is necessary to get my attention and to draw me back in to the love and the grace that he wants to give us. He loves unconditionally. He loves what we could, in our own mind, we can't fathom. Our sister said this morning, she said, I said the right stuff, thinking from a Christian perspective. She goes, but I didn't feel it in my heart. But this morning, I do, Pastor, because now I understand the grace, the extreme grace of God. I explained it best in a story I want to share with you as I get ready to close. If you'd help me, Gary. Back several years ago, when I was a youth pastor, there was a young man on television. His name was Sean. He was on the Oprah show. And as I was watching the show, he gave his testimony. And as he was giving his testimony, I was just kind of sitting there watching this guy. I found myself in tears. He was talking about how God had saved him and changed him. And then they started telling about his story. You see, he was 16 years old and he was a Satanist involved in the occult. And he had gotten into his mind as a dedicated Satanist that he was going to do everything he could, everything in his power to break all ten commandments in the name of Satan. So one by one, he began to go down through each commandment and he got down to the last two. Thou shalt not murder and honor your mother and your father. He decided he would put them both together. And one night, dressed in black, he walked into his parents bedroom and killed them both in the name of Satan breaking two commandments in one he was arrested as he left town he on his way out of town he stopped and killed a store clerk he was lost he was evil and they threw the book at him put him on death row no possibility of any change this guy was going to get what was coming to him and he was sitting in a cell they didn't allow him anything in his cell. He just had a cot and that was it. Sean said that in this testimony, he said that he was just sitting in there one day when a, a gentleman walked by, looked at him in the bars and said, Hey, kid, you want to read something? The guy said, Sean said, Sure. He threw him a New Testament. Sean said he read it through that whole day. Had never read it before read it through that whole day, and then he read it again. And then on the third round of reading that little New Testament, 
He said he was overcome by the presence of God. And he said he got down on his knees in his cell. And he said, I asked the Jesus of the New Testament to come into my heart. And he said, instantly I was forgiven. And I was transformed. And you ought to have heard the guy's testimony. He was anointed. I mean, God saved him. It was unbelievable. And I got some crazy thing in my head. I thought, I'm going to write him. So I wrote him. I wrote him in prison in Oklahoma. He wrote me back. We started a friendship. I shared with him how, man, I'm a youth pastor and how I thought that his testimony was unbelievable. The only reason I was writing was because of the way that his testimony had touched me. And I knew he was real. I said to my family, I was, we were watching, I said, that guy, I don't, I don't know what he did. I, I see what he did, but I'm telling you, he's saved, that's for sure. I sense the presence of God over him. That boy's got a testimony. And from his testimony, he put a video together and he put books together. And thousands and literally thousands of kids have come to Christ through his testimony. And he's done a, he did a wonderful job as he was given his testimony and, be, and determined. He would not fight his parole. He wouldn't try to appeal the, the, the conviction over him. He said, I killed my parents. I deserve what's coming to me. He said, but I can't wait until I get across that golden gate. And I look in the crowd and I see my mom and dad because I know they're going to be there. And I said, first thing I want to do is ask him to forgive me. This guy wrote me back and forth, back and forth, and we, would, we had a friendship, and I would write him back, and I'd encourage him. I'd send him scriptures, and I'd try to just, you know, just do what I could to just hang on, brother. You're, you've got the goods. You've got, man, you've got, God saved you. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. God saved you. It's great. I'm here to encourage you. And he'd write me back, and we'd write again. And I wrote him one time. I said, listen, I got your video, your testimony. I'm going to show it to my youth group this coming Tuesday night. And, 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 or I said, in a Tuesday coming up, and he said, he wrote me back right away, and he said, listen, don't show it yet. He said, let me write you another letter. And he, so he wrote a letter, and he wrote this big, long, three-page three letter. And I showed the video the night I received, the, the week that I had received the letter. And at the end of the video of his testimony, this guy on that screen, I was able to pull out a letter that said, to the Stratford Heights Church of God Youth Group, and it was Sean. And boy, he preached. I've still got the letter to this day. You ought to see the anointing that was on him. He said, don't you dare walk down the same path I did. He said, I allowed the drugs. I loved the parties. I let the, the junk of this world. I let the philosophies of people that didn't know what they were talking about. He said, I let them infect me until I did the unspeakable. He said, but Jesus still found me. He said, grace. And he said, he called it reckless grace. He said, God saved somebody that didn't deserve it. He said, I didn't deserve it, but I've been saved by grace. I read that to the kids when I did the one dry eye in the house. I think every kid got saved all over again. The altars were filled. It turned their lives upside down. But you know, I tell you all that to tell you this. God goes down to the most unspeakable places. He finds the darkest caves and corners. He finds that one that you think is absolutely unreachable. And God says, I see the prize in their soul, and I want them. God looked down and found, found you. He found you. He found me. 
And it doesn't matter how far away you've gotten. It doesn't matter. The grace of God will hunt you down. And He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to take away from you. He's not trying to cause your life any grief. He's come to rescue you. He's come to turn it around for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to touch you. He wants to transform your life. He wants to get a message to you. That He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. I have preached this before, but I feel like I need to say it again. He, unconditional love means He loves you right now. Now think about it. Think how you've been towards Him. Think about how you've run from Him. God loves you in this moment with all the stuff, with all the drama, with all the evil and the wicked that has tried to kill you and destroy you. God loves you in this moment just like the day He put you in your mother's and your daddy's arms as a brand new little baby. He doesn't love you one second, one iota less. And here's the thing. He cannot, he cannot love you any more than he loves you right now. That's unconditional love. It's relentless, extreme Amazing grace. Stand with me this morning. He loves you too much. For the one who perhaps here today is, is running from God. You're running in the wrong direction. And you don't even know it. You don't see it. You're running in the wrong direction. Run to him. Watch what he does. Watch how he loves you back into a beautiful, beautiful purity and a love that will shock you. And you say, well, I, I'm, I'm following the Lord. Pastor, I, I'm saved. So was Jonah by virtue of his relationship with God. But how many times, Cindy, are we called into the uncomfortable? Called to love those who are, by all of our religious theology, unlovable. Like I said, we'll, we'll, save, we'll save the ones who are not so bad. But do we have compassion this morning for the ones who are real bad? Do we have compassion? You could compare this call on his life, on Jonah's life, to akin to you and I being called to go over to Iraq today. Same place. And to preach against it so that the mercy of God could fall. How far are you willing to go into the uncomfortable 
Maybe God's calling you to a ministry. Maybe He's calling you, he's calling you to some, to out of your uncomfortable zone, out of the safekeeping of your cute little life. Maybe God's calling you into a deeper walk with Him that's not so comfortable. This morning, I want to challenge you to search out your faith. Search out your answers to God, your yes. We can find reasons. There will always be a ship to Tarshish. There'll always be something standing there waiting, ready to take your excuse. There will always be an enemy ready to provide you transportation to run away from God. Don't take it. Stand and face the extreme, relentless grace of God and let Him change your entire destiny. With every head bowed and every eye closed, aren't you glad God didn't judge you, condemn you? Aren't you glad He didn't gossip about you, talk about you, put you down? Aren't you glad God was there for you? Aren't you glad God loved you when nobody else loved you? Maybe you feel very far away from him this morning. Christians, help me pray. Maybe you feel so far away from him. You feel like you, you've been running for so long that you're even lost yourself. You don't even know how to get back. God knows right where you are. And as deep and as dark as it might be, God has you in the palm of His hand. Mercy. Grace. Grace. Grace is waiting for you this morning to make a decision to trust God. I'm not asking you to trust people. I'm not asking you to trust a denomination. I'm not asking you to trust any of preachers. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to trust Christ. Trust the creator of the universe. Trust the one who knows you better than anyone else and loves you the best. Asking you to trust the one who has the answers for you. I'm asking you to look up and allow him to love you back. And to the Christians, I'm asking you to challenge your own walk with God. Challenge your steps into the uncomfortable to reach and show mercy, show grace, God's grace, like has been shown to you, to those around you. If you're here and you'd like to receive Christ in your life, you'd like to pray that prayer that makes you, that helps you to be ready for Him, that invites Him into your life. If you're here today and you'd like to pray that prayer with me, we're going to pray it, make it in an altar right there where you sit, right where you stand. If you'd pray that prayer, would you just slip up your hand and then write back down? Amen. Is there anyone else? I want to pray that prayer, Pastor. I want to pray today. Amen. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Grace. Grace. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Hands going up. The Holy Spirit is working with people this morning. 
Several hands have been up. Is there anyone else? God bless you. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. Hallelujah. that have lifted their hands all over the sanctuary at this time we're going to pray a prayer together but I would also like at this moment in time to invite anyone forward who would like special prayer would you take just a moment now our pastors are in the altar they're here to pray with you to agree with you we've got anointing oil in this altar and we'll agree with you by faith for any need that you have I invite you to come forward but if you raised your hand today then I want us to pray a prayer right where you're standing a prayer to receive Christ into your life Prayer that, that in and of itself is just words, but when it comes from your heart, it'll transform and change your whole life. I want us to pray it together. Would you help me in church if you would? Let's say it together. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I need a Savior. I need your grace. Forgive me. Change me. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose again. You purchased my salvation. You are the Son of God. I accept your grace in my life. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And help me every day. I want to live for you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Before Richard comes to dismiss our service, I want to again invite you, any of you that, that are new to our church, three to six months, if you'd come by the meet and greet, we'd love to chat with you and talk with you a little bit. But I want Richard to come and dismiss us in prayer. Thank you this morning for understanding and receiving the challenge of faith in our lives. Richard? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you. We honor you. Thank you for your grace, God, that's been shed in our lives. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. And God, the way that you've taken care of us. Thank you for allowing us to hear the message, to be, to be protected, to be guided, to be led. Lord, we pray that as we leave this house today, we would go in grace. And Lord, we go with your hand on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go in grace. Have a good day. We'll be back at 6 o'clock. If you want to come by, the meet and greet is back here in the choir room. We'd love to talk to you.
Stratford Heights is always available to hear from you. For more information, visit us online at shcog.com. If you would like to pay your tithes or gifts, you can also do that online as well at shcog.com. This broadcast is made possible from people just like you who come together to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever you're in the southwestern Ohio area, we would love to have you join us for service. Our Sunday service schedule is at 8.30 and 10.40 a.m. and at 6 p.m. Sunday evenings. On Monday, it's Celebrate Recovery. Tuesday, the Oasis Youth Group. Wednesday night, it's the Family Life Night. And Thursday, the Esperanza Hispanic Worship Service. Please join us at the Stratford Heights Church of God.